I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Dr. Rob Zamet and this is a brand new episode of The Doggy Pod. Yes, The Doggy Pod. I'm uh, producer Stephen Peters and welcome, yes, to this week's show where every week Dr. Rob talks all things dogs and if, and if you've got a dog in your life you really should be listening to The Doggy Pod. Is that right, Rob? Uh, absolutely. This week we're going to be talking about how clean should your dog be, you know, just how clean do you want it to be around the house? Pretty clean, I would say. And what should you be washing your dog with? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's probably people who rarely wash their dog, and then there are probably other ones that wash them way too much, I would say. Yeah, well, we're entering spring, so washing's going to be important. And the other thing to watch, of course, in spring and summer, as it warms up, is parasites. Yes, we're going to... We're going to get a bit wormy in today's episode, I think, yeah. and, a, and a bit ticky. Uh, uh, and, of course, we'll answer um, um, some of our uh, listener questions, uh, which we do love getting, by the way. So please feel free to send your questions into thedoggypod at gmail.com uh, and, and Rob will get around to them on, on the show. But um, firstly, as always, we'll, we'll find out what's been happening in the, in the clinic this week, Rob. Well, we had a very big dog. He was 76 kilos. I estimate that this dog should have been around about 50 to 55 kilos tops. Very overweight. Young dog, uh, only a few years old, and came in with a busted knee, really bad knee. So, What, what sort of it, dog was it? Well, it was a Rottweiler cross. Yeah, it was a, a, a dog that came in. They'd bought it as a puppy fed it and wanted to wanted this dog to be a big dog, I guess. But people seem to forget, you know, genes decide how big you're going to be, not food. And this dog's been fed and fed and fed, overweight, and bang, he's wrecked one knee. What worries me, okay, we've spent quite a few hours repairing that busted knee. That dog has now gone home, 
But unfortunately, I've said to them, if you don't get that weight off, he will be back within a year or two with another busted knee. And he'll have to go through even more surgery. You know, he, at this stage, the good knee is really trying to support a very big overweight dog did, while did the other underst- one repairs. Yeah, did they understand that their dog was overweight? Well, yeah, they, they finally admitted And that's the hard thing. You did, right? It's very hard to get people to admit it. I mean, I have little sentences with people when I, you know, that dog comes in and say, oh, this is novel, two dogs and one skin. You know, things like that that you tell people to try and tell them this dog's just too damn fat. But very often people say, you think he's fat? Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And off they go. I'll never see them again. They won't admit to their dog being overweight. Yeah, Mother Nature wants a dog where you can just see the last few ribs just about. That's the ideal for the species canine. But no, these people just packed on on the food and this dog is grossly overweight. So he's gone home with a diet chart amongst other things. And the diet chart is a very simple one. Cooked cabbage and just only 200, in his case, 200 grams of uh, cooked or raw mince. I don't mind. You can cook the mince with the cabbage. And they said, well, how much cabbage? I said, I don't care. I said, oh, he won't eat the cabbage. Well, I've rung him up since. I said, actually, he loves the cabbage. You cook the cabbage in a bit of stock. It adds a bit of flavour to the cabbage, some electrolytes. There's a bit of water there. Throw the meat in if you want and put it down. And the dog just will finish it all off. The cabbage fills the dog up. He says, mum and dad still love me. They're still feeding me but it doesn't add much calories to the diet. So yeah. lots of cabbage, a little bit of protein. Dogs will make their own vitamins. You know, dogs make vitamin C and B-group vitamins, a whole lot of other vitamins within their own body. You know, we suffer from scurvy if we don't have vitamin C in our diet. Not dogs. They manufacture it in their gut. So they're fine that way. Why did, why did the, the uh, dog come to you in the first place? But because it was The over- knee problem. The, the knee, knee problem. Right. Not the overweight. They, you know, I had to get them to admit that this dog was overweight. But it was the knee that, that brought them in because this dog was hobbling and had been hobbling for you know, quite a while. They thought it was going to get better, going to get better. They rested it. They tried everything. Obviously, that was not going to occur. So it was time to come and see the vet. And at that stage, yes... The, the knee is bad, we took x-rays, and we had to take send the dog to, um, uh, to surgery to fix it. So trying to realise what your dog's weight should really be, very, very important. OK, it's time to talk doggy washes. And that is, you know, uh, can you wash your dog too much? How much is enough? And, and kind of what sort of products should you use? I mean, I'd hate to lose that wonderful doggy smell that we all like, but there's a, there's a bit of a thin line between that nice doggy smell and a dog that stinks. So, yep. uh, Rob, uh, you know, how much is enough? How much is yeah, too much? Dogs, dog smell and smelly dog, big difference. Exactly. And what makes a dog smell, of course, Stephen, is the bacteria on the dog. So that will vary from dog to dog. It'll vary from skin to skin because moist skin uh, will grow more bacteria. So if a dog's out in the rain a lot and he will grow bacteria on his skin and that smell that you get, the bad smell, is the gas from the bacteria growing on their skin. So that's a problem. Doesn't sound very, and it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for the dog. 
Now, it can cause severe dermatitis with the dog. can cause a thing called pyoderma. Pio is Latin for pus, and derma, of course, is skin. Pyoderma are pussy sores all over the dog's skin. So, yeah, keeping your dog clean uh, is certainly helpful for the dog. It's also helpful for you because you don't want to be gathering all those bugs on you when you start petting your dog. But what, is very, the, very... what is the nice dog smell then? Um, I, I think that's just the oils, the normal oils in the dog's skin. And if you overwash, that's when you start, you know, especially if you wash with a detergent type of shampoo that's just too harsh for the dog's skin, that's when you get rid of this, yeah, that nice dog smell, but you're also causing problems with the dog's skin by overwashing. So the two things is, one, how often you wash, but more importantly, two, what you wash with. Now, if you have a dog that is um, yeah, not itchy or whatever, you can just use a normal dog shampoo. Most of them are, are quite okay. Um, some people, and you, I know we've t- talked about this, you and I privately, some people have used baby shampoos. And nothing wrong with that. Baby shampoo is quite okay because they're gentle on the skin. Your dog's skin is not exposed to the sun, etc., because it's covered with fur. It's actually more sensitive than our skin. So some of our shampoos, however, I would not use on our dogs, certainly our detergents. And we've had people come in with really bad problems on dog's skin because of what they put on there to try and wash them with. They said, oh, he got into the you know, oil and rubbed himself on oil everywhere, and that, it's pretty bad. But instead of you know, maybe washing them a couple of times to get the stuff out, they've just gone with a harsh detergent and burnt the dog. So be a bit actually, cautious actually burnt with the skin. Really? Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, you can see it's inflamed and the dog's just suffering. Had to be treated with a lot of anti-inflammatories. So what shampoos can you use apart from dog shampoos? Some of the non-soap shampoos. I had a, a very famous dermatologist, um, Dr. Malloy. I'll never forget, he believed a lot in sorbeline. He used to bath his dogs in sorbeline and never had any problems. His dog's skin were quite Sorbeline, good. the cream, you mean? Yep, yep. You use it as a shampoo. And... Uh, yeah, wet the dog down, rub it through, and then rinse it off. Wow. And that's that's okay. all he ever did. I'm going, really give, shiny, I'm going to give that a go. Shiny coats. Uh, you can use things like, well, there's, there's a product that used to be made for dogs. It used to be called Celine for dogs. Then someone found it's really good for dandruff and people. So they stopped making the dog shampoo but continued manufacturing the human one. It's the exact same product. So you can still buy it out there in the market. It's called Selsun Gold. And it's selenium sulfide. And that's quite good for dogs that have really bad itchy skin. Seems to help take the inflammation out. Um, other products like pine tarsal, which we use on, on yeah, people with dermatitis, can be used on dogs as well. Itchy dogs, pine tarsal and those sort of products can help, help uh, quite nicely. When do you bath your dog? Yeah, whenever it's dirty. My dog, you know, Opie, loves going to the beach. Um, I don't take him enough, and I'll have to, once COVID's over, I won't take that for granted and get down there a lot more often with him. So when he comes back from the beach, that's when I rinse him right off and give him a bath because you don't want sand and salt sitting in that coat all the time. If I go once a week, he'll get bath once a week. If I get to ever do that, that'd be great. (laughs) But if your dog just just sits around at home, like most dogs, and goes for walks or whatever... Um, when, well, yep. how, yeah, how, how, how often is kind of depending the right on, amount? 
depending on your dog's skin, how you know, how much his um, oils is producing, and uh, yeah, the time of year as well. You know, it, it, that's going to be important. Um, then I'd be bathing him every two to four weeks is enough. Some dogs you could get away with every six weeks, quite okay. But then after that, I think you've got to be questioning what you're doing to your poor dog's skin. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I don't even bother with it, they're fine. Yeah, okay, maybe you think that is fine for your dog, but they love nothing more than getting you know, a good wash and a great rub down with a towel afterwards. You don't have to take them to a groomer if you don't want to. Um, certainly great if you, if you can, and they enjoy it. You can't at the moment anyway with uh, lockdowns all over the world. But um, if you don't want to go to a groomer, no big deal, just wash it the dog around nine or ten in the morning when it's the day's warming up dry them off with towels if you use a hairdryer be careful if you overuse a hairdryer too close you'll burn the dog's skin again so if you're using a hairdryer know what you're doing stand well back and brush the area probably with your hand as much as anything else uh, as you dry it you know brush it out not too uh, if you're using a pin brush they're the those brushes with all those little pins on it don't press down on the skin. Just make sure you're just doing the hair and not the skin. What about but, dogs that have uh, like double layers of fur? Yeah, that's why we're bathing at 10 o'clock in the morning. You've got the right. whole day to dry off. The dogs that are double-coated like German Shepherds, you know, they have a really thick double coat. They take quite a bit of drying, I, I promise you. I've done it many times. So you've got to you know, towel them right down. Most people don't use um, hair dryers on the German Shepherd, but dry them well with a towel. And if you've done it on a sunny day, don't go picking a day that's going to, with rain is predicted and it's going to be overcast. Make sure it's a nice warm day and they'll dry off quite well that way. But don't overwash, a, a, especially a dog with a double coat, because you'll leave a lot of water in there. And that, again, water uh, on skin, bacteria breed, and you get pyodermatitis. So be aware of that. Okay, I'm excited. I know Rob's excited, and I'm, hopefully a lot of people are excited because um, it's springtime, and that's just a really good feeling, I think, anyway. Um, so spring has sprung, and it's good, but, of course, springtime brings a whole bunch of other stuff as well, which Rob will tell us about in a second, things that we need to be more aware of at this time of year, especially coming into summer, with our dogs. What's, what's the go, mm. Rob? Yeah, parasites. When the weather warms up, uh, a lot of the eggs in the, in the ground will hatch and we just see a lot more parasites. Plus, of course, you're probably taking a dog out a lot more because it's warmer and you're taking them to areas where people take their dogs that may not be clean, their dogs that may not be wormed sufficiently. So when they do their droppings out in the dog park, they leave worm eggs in the grass, which your dog will pick up. Now, your dog can pick up worm, worms from the uh, dog park by just walking there, not sniffing, not licking, not putting his mouth near anything, but the worm could penetrate, the worm larvae can penetrate through his foot. Through the, through the pores, through his soles Correct. of his feet. Yep. Wow. Hookworm does that all the time. Hookworm just penetrates into the dog's uh, feet, into the bloodstream, and then it starts its cycle. In three weeks from a dog getting a, a worm larvae penetrating like that, 
it'll have adult hookworm in its gut. Every three weeks that can happen if you go to a place, and that's been one of the problems with some of the dog parks. They're becoming a bit loaded with worms. So we're seeing worms a lot more often in veterinary practice than we used to. We were getting rid of them for a while, but now, of course, with people going out, that's one of the dangers. Roundworms are the same. Uh, hookworm suck a lot of blood out of your dog. They'll make your dog anemic. Roundworms do the same, and they suck a lot of protein as well. Then you've got other worms like whipworm. Um, these are all intestinal parasites. And then finally, of course, you have the uh, other worm that we know of, tapeworm. Tapeworm, there are two types. One, they won't get that from uh, necessarily from the ground, but they get that when they get fleas. We'll talk about external parasites, but fleas are the intermediate host for tapeworm. So if your dog goes to the dog park and the other dog has fleas, your dog could actually pick up a flea, give it a lick, chew it, and pick up tapeworm that way. So um, fleas aren't just aren't just irritating to the skin. Oh, they no. actually bring a lot oh, we're, worse. We're going to yeah. get to fleas in a sec. Um, don't forget, these worms as well, make sure you maintain good hygiene in your backyard because, as I said, hookworm dropping larvae and other larvae as well in your backyard, you could pick them up or your children could pick them up if they go walking where the dog's dropped some worm eggs through its poo in your backyard. So always pick up the droppings as quickly as possible and worm your dogs regularly. How regularly? We'll get to that in a minute. So they're the internal parasites. You get other parasites like coccidiosis, and coccidia is a protozoa. It's between, say, a worm and a, uh, and a bacteria. It's a little bit smaller than, than a, a worm and a bit bigger than the bacteria. And you may have heard of Javier. Some people may have certainly heard of Javier. It's a common little parasite that exists in water and uh, other areas. Which well, your hum- dog humans can lick. get that, can't they? Correct, yeah, yeah. exactly right. So, so <clears throat> these are some of the parasites that you'll see as the weather warms up. Don't forget, we see mosquitoes more in summer. And so what can mosquito carry? They can carry heartworm. Heartworm will, is a worm that lives inside your dog's heart and will kill your dog. So we've got to prevent that. External parasites, of course, fleas, like we've mentioned. Fleas carry bacteria. Fleas carry worms like tapeworm. Now, people forget just what bugs fleas can carry. Remember, in the great the Black Plague, where millions of people died, they blamed the rats, but it was the, the fleas on the rats that were carrying the bacteria. So watch out for those. And around yeah, the, warming, the warm weather, of course, will also bring ticks. Ticks, too, carry a lot of diseases. So even though you mightn't have the severe paralysis tick, just the common brown dog tick can carry uh, various bacteria and viruses that could affect your dog or even you. There are lots of tick-borne bacteria and tick-borne diseases that you can get from ticks as well as your dog. Humans can get ticks or diseases from the ticks? Both, both. Every year we see one or two children in uh, the children's hospital locally in Sydney because they've got a paralysis tick and they become paralysed, even adults. So, yes, humans can get the ticks as well. Now, I'm not suggesting preventive measures for, for uh, your children to put anything on them, but you should always check your children when they go playing in the bush 
because they can certainly come back with ticks. Uh, lice and mites are also a big problem. Mites, there's two types of mites. The uh, one called fox mite, because it's common in foxes, causes severe itching both on your dog and you. We've had cases where people have come in, they're scratching themselves all the time, and you can see the dog scratching and say, oh, your dog's got, now we, we diagnose sarcoptic mites or fox mite in your dog, and that could be why you're scratching all the time. Oh, I've been to the dermatologist and said, you better go back and tell your dermatologist that your dog has fox mite uh, because it can cross-infect. The other mite, demodec mites, not so much. It, in fact, doesn't cross over into us at all. Uh, demodex is a mite that we see in, more in adolescent dogs. All these things can be treated quite well with the various products that are available. Talk to your veterinarian or even to the veterinary nurse because they're very well trained. Uh, veterinary nurses are extremely well trained in this type of thing and can recommend the best product uh, for your dog in the area. We treat our dogs once a month with a product that does everything, heartworm and worms and fleas and ticks. I give it on the first of the month. Stephen knows that because I've trained him to do the same. Why the first of the month? Because, like you, I'm human. I'll forget. Like, you know, it'll be a couple of days into the month or three days. Oh, gosh, it's a new month. If you try and remember the 12th of the month or the 14th of the month, the only 14th of the month you should remember is the February one because that's Valentine's Day. But all the other 14th of the months, you, you may easily forget unless it's your Such birthday. Such an old romantic. Oh, oh beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, pick whatever day you like, but just once a month, give your dog a preventive for a lot of these things. Some of these preventives are not really, they don't prevent the worm from coming in for the months to come. They kill the worms that the animal has. You can't actually kill these larvae very often. If you kill the larvae off inside the body, you'd probably kill the host, the animal, the dog would be dead. So you're actually just cleaning up every month what they may be picking up. Quite nasty creatures, parasites. I mean, what is the definition of a parasite? It's something that lives on or inside an animal and starts eating the food and, and taking all the nutrients from the animal itself. So be aware that during spring and summer, it's a time to start being very conscious of regular worming and treatment of, of external parasites as well. Good advice as always, Dr. Rob. Thank you very much. Okay, as I've mentioned before, uh, we do love getting your questions, so please feel free if you've got uh, something doggy related and you want Dr. Rob to give you some free advice, um, go to the doggy pod, all one word, at gmail.com and, and we'll get around to um, all your questions eventually. Anyway, this one is from uh, Gina Wilson, who says, uh, hi, Dr. Rob, love listening to your podcast. <laughs> Great. Uh, our son has moved back home uh, with his 18-month-old German shepherd pup, Zeus, who is quite big. What is the best way to introduce him to our six-year-old male and female standard poodles? Uh, they are aware of each other and they are all dissexed. Gee, that's going to be three big dogs eventually, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. The German, well, not eventually, it is now. The 18-month-old German Shepherd 
is pretty, yeah, he's height-wise, he's grown full height. Uh, he'll fill out a bit more as he gets a bit older. Like two, They mature till about two or three, but he's a big dog. And standard poodles, yeah, really big dogs. I've owned all uh, both those types of dogs. And so, at, so at 18 months, he's full height, the German Shepherd? Yep. Oh, yeah, he's not going to grow any taller. He's just going to fill out more, just like a, a, a teenager will. So he's, he's there, full height. He's a big dog. Uh, now, and they can be dominant, of course, German Shepherds, but so can standard poodles. You know, the word poodle doesn't mean that it's going to be a, a quiet little sedate dog. Standard poodles, in fact, my, my standard poodle um, that I used to own was one of the best guard dogs I've ever had. Wouldn't let anyone in the house unless I was there. A great dog. Yeah, because standard poodles are quite, quite tall dogs. Oh, yeah, and they used to be used in the uh, German police force, would you believe, and in the French police force. They both used standard poodles uh, quite a lot. But, I mean, it's a bit hard. You know, have you say, stop or I'll release Fifi. <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Um, so they're not used as much in police work, but they're very intelligent dogs and good guard dogs. How do you introduce all these three? How do you get these three forming a pack? You do not do it in the house. You do not do it in the backyard or the front yard. You take them out into a park somewhere on a lead, all three on a lead, so you've always got control of the situation, and you straight away go for a walk. Quick, come on, let's go. Do not muck around. You're walking. You're walking on a mission. If you don't get round that oval, you will die. That's, that's how you've got to walk. Walk like you're on the mission. You're in charge. You're in front. You're the head. You are the pack leader. You know, that's really important. Make yourself the pack leader. These dogs are going to form a pack no matter what you do. You know, behaviors say, oh, no, you shouldn't form packs. I don't know why they say that. Dogs form packs. Yeah, if the dog is nothing else, it's a pack animal. So utilize that. Utilize that to your benefit. You are the pack leader and the dogs follow you. All three of them together. Um, you can have all you know, three owners there if you want, or just if one person thinks he can handle all three dogs, so go for it. But go for a big walk all the time. Do that continually, daily, daily, you know, twice daily if you have to, and take them out together to form this pack between them. Do not allow them to, to near each other when they're eating because now they're going to resource guard and it's not fair to start challenging the dogs that close. Don't, do not feed them together, maybe ever. You know, it might be something that one dog gets fed in the front yard, one gets fed in the backyard, one gets fed in the house or whatever. But Why, why not together? Well, you've got re- a resource now that dogs fight off. Yeah, in, even in the wild, dogs will fight uh, over food. It, you know, and the pack leader will eat, usually eat. They don't all sit down harmoniously and say, okay, let's share this uh, animal that we've killed. They all, hey, this is my bit, this is my bit. No, they, they, they'll tend to fight. You don't want them to ever get into a fight. You're trying to avoid that situation. You know it could happen, so don't push it. Very important that we don't push the envelope and get them fighting ever. You know you can avoid that. It's like giving them a bone. When you do give them a bone, and I always use a raw bone as part of the diet for the dog, uh, I separate all the dogs. They all get separated because I don't want them to start a fight. Um, so that's very, very important. So Good luck with line, it, Gina. Yeah, so the bottom line is you want them to be a pack. You want them to all feel like they're part of the same family. Yeah, but you've got to be the leader, number one. You don't want, the, you want, don't want them vying for the number one position because then they're fighting against each other. 
be careful of resources. Always be careful of the resources. And remember, you could be looked on as a resource. There'll be some jealousy, but if you're the pack leader, you say, cut it out. Don't want jealousy. Good dog. It's that sad time of every show where we have to say goodbye. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, Hopefully you're all following us on Facebook and our Instagram uh, account where we um, often... Well, Rob certainly seems to post lots of photos of himself at work with all sorts (laughs) of dogs, which is always interesting. Um, Thanks for listening this week. We'll be back uh, next week. As you know, uh, new episodes come out every Friday. Uh, And so I'll say goodbye, and I know Rob uh, always has his special way of saying goodbye. Yeah, like for those people that, yeah, when you've never had a dog and you get that feeling that it's time to get one, you still can't imagine what living with a dog might be like but afterwards when you do get that first dog you can't imagine living any other way than with your dog who said that caroline knapp i paraphrased oh. it the caroline knapp famous <laughs> author in america thanks caroline okay see you next week see you next week folks Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.